Thank you, Shirley, Eddie, Brian, Tony. Thank you all. It's good to have the Ward family back from Jamaica. Glad to have you back here with us. And glad to have all the fathers that are here with us here today. You know, I'm extra blessed because today uh, I get to have my family here with me. Uh, my mom and dad are here visiting and they watched my kids for the last week while I was away at Johnson Bible College with a, some of your all's kids. And uh, so now I'm getting to see my kids. My parents are here. Uh, blessed in numerous ways. Uh, blessed to be considered today uh, in the vote after the service to be the next senior minister at Hartford Christian Church. Very grateful for that opportunity. And before you think that I'm trying to stuff the ballot, my parents can't vote in this because they're not members of Hartford Christian Church. I'm not trying to stuff the ballot or rig anything. Today we're going to talk about the things that we learn from our Heavenly Father. That Father knows best. Some of you all probably remember there was a classic television show back in the 60s called Father Knows Best. And the premise was there that, you know, the dad had advice and had life stories and things that you could learn from that he would teach his children week in and week out. And so today uh, I wanted to open up with, this is an article I found online on MSN.com, and it was 11 life lessons that we learned from our dads. See if you can relate to any of these life lessons. Is my mic not on? I think the battery's dying, so I'll just use the pulpit mic. All right. So this is 11 life lessons that we learned from our dads. Uh, number one is confidence. Then balance, equality, fun, courtesy, kindness, leadership, gratitude, dreams, work ethic, and communication. Can you relate to any of those? Do you think back to the life lessons you've learned from your dads? You know, for my dad, I'll brag on him just, just a little here. I learned what it means to love your family and to provide for their needs no matter what. To work hard, to go above and beyond, to make sure that your family is cared for. I learned that there is value in looking for a bargain. Taking time to find not only the, maybe the cheapest thing, but the best value. I have a little phrase that I like to repeat that I think I, I kind of was inspired by my dad by this, and it is, it doesn't hurt to ask. It doesn't hurt to ask if the display model's for sale. It doesn't have to ask if they can price check or if they can compare this and that. It doesn't hurt to ask for um, you know, an extra table or an extra room or things like that. And uh, if you don't ask, you'll never get it. So it doesn't hurt. The worst they can do is tell you no. And I think about all the things that we learn from our dads. And on this Father's Day, we're going to recognize all the fathers in our lives, from our, our dads to our stepdads to our granddads and the impact that they had in our lives, but especially that of our Heavenly Father. Father knows best. Most of the time when we're talking about our earthly fathers. Sometimes, 
they make mistakes. I know myself as a father, I've made plenty. And I thought that I was doing the right thing when, in fact, maybe I wasn't. We've all messed up. I know I've messed up as a dad, and you dads that are here can probably say amen to that too. You've messed up as well. But not our Heavenly Father. So today we're going to look at why we need to follow God's ways above our own ways. Because God is perfect. And he wants the best for us. So I'd like to start by having us read a scripture together. This is from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9. It'll be on the screen there. Let's read this together. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God's ways are higher. We may think we know what's best for our lives, And we may think we know what the future may hold, but we don't. We make mistakes all the time, but God never does. His ways are far above our own. So today we're going to look at how God's ways are better than our ways and why we can trust him to lead us better than we could ever lead ourselves. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come before you here today, that we can open up your word. Please be with us as we study from your scripture. Please lead us, even in the next few moments here as we go through this together, to look to you, to trust in your ways above our own, and to trust that you have what's best for us in mind. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wanted to show a picture to you. This is... uh, where I was this last week was at Johnson Bible College with a group of, uh, of high school students, and we were at the CIY MOVE conference. And this is the last day we dressed up a little bit and took a picture by the fountain there. And it was just, it was a wonderful week of being there, studying God's Word, worshiping, being challenged, going deep into discipleship. We appreciate all your prayers for being with us uh, over this last week. We had a great time, and a lot of good bonding happened there. And uh, some of y'all may even probably don't recognize, but if you remember, uh, the guy there in the red shorts, that's actually Evan Maiden, Brandon Maiden's son, who was five years old when they moved away from here. And he got to come and join our group. So it was really neat to be able to have him be a part of us in our group this past week. One thing we did is uh, we talked about this idea of the contrast in life, the contrast between good and evil, light and dark, love and fear. And that was kind of the theme the entire week. And what we did is we spent a lot of time studying through the book of 1 John. And John is one of those writers that he just says it like it is. He's very much a black and white, tell you the truth. This is the way things need to be and these are the way things shouldn't be. And so John was really kind of the inspiration for the week. And that's going to be where we're at here this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at a couple of passages. One of them is going to be in 1 John chapter 1. And the other one's going to be in 1 John chapter 2. So just probably on the same page, you can just flip back and forth there together. And we're going to look at uh, some things that John can teach us about God, about who he is, and about what we can trust him with. So the first scripture we're going to read is from 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. It says, This is the message that we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. Now, this is an important scripture because John defines the basis of our belief. 
what Jesus Christ has taught them from the beginning, now we are declaring to you. So these are the very basic principles of who God is. God is light. So what does that mean that God is light? It means that God is truth. God is goodness. And God is love. That is his very essence. It says, in him there is no darkness at all. What's darkness? It's the opposite of those things. Deception. Wickedness. Fear. None of those things are present in God. Only truth, goodness, and love. Well, why is that important? Well, let me ask you, what determines whether or not you will believe that something is true? A lot of it is based on the source. What we believe about the credibility of the source. If we know we can trust a person, then no matter how outlandish their story may sound, we would be inclined to believe that. Anybody have that friend that you can't believe anything that they say? Because they are always telling stories, always telling tales, and they could be as genuine as could be, but you're always like, really? Are you sure? Kind of like the, the, the old story of the boy who cried wolf, that it got to the point so many times that he cried wolf that nobody believed him, so that when he really did need help, it was too late. You see, we can know that God's ways are higher because we can trust who God is. He is light. There is no darkness in him. There is no evil intent. There is no wickedness. There is no deception in God. God is pure and holy and loving and full of grace and truth. And so when God desires to lead your life, it's because he wants to lead the best for you. You can trust in him that his intentions are good. God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. This does three things for us. Number one, it shows us who God is. God is completely good, completely loving, and full of truth. Number two, it shows us what God does. God reveals truth and exposes darkness. And number three, it shows us how to get where God is. God is light. He is found in the light. So we need to step out of the darkness and walk in the light to be with God. Sometimes that's hard to see that we're still standing in the darkness, though. Because darkness isn't always easy to determine in our lives. We might even think that we are following God, but have areas in our heart that are still being ruled by the darkness. So how can we determine what that is? 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 says, So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. So we need to examine ourselves. Are we living in darkness? Are there areas of darkness that we are keeping hidden? That we're hoping that nobody ever finds out that they never see the light of day? What might that actually look like? Skip over to chapter 2, verse 15 says, do not love this world or the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. So we can find the dark areas in our life based on whether or not the love of the world or the love of God is what's guiding us. Because it's really either 
one or the other. Remember, John is very clear-cut, black and white. So are you being guided by the love of the world or are you being guided by the love of God? And it's hard to tell because our ways might seem like they're God's ways. A lot of times we think that we're doing what's good in God's eyes. That's certainly what happened to the Apostle Paul. He thought that he was following God's ways by arresting and killing Christians. But our ways deceive us. You can't just trust in your conscience. Your conscience has to be submitted to the will of God. It has to be guided by the Holy Spirit and by His Word. Our ways can deceive us. We think we're doing good, but in the end we're doing harm. So what does that look like? Here's three things that John tells us. Chapter 2, verse 16. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. It is natural to us to want to crave things that make us feel good. You know the old phrase, if it feels good, do it. That's natural for us. Everything we see, you look after things, you look at things, you see someone that has a bigger house, a better car, a better family, better clothes, a better job. You look at the things that this world offers and you want those things. That's natural to us. Or we look at all the stuff we've accumulated. We look at our homes, we look at our, our possessions, and we take pride. We take pride in maybe what we've accomplished in our jobs or in our lives. Or we look to climb up the ladder of success if we haven't quite gotten to what we want to achieve just yet. All of these things are natural desires. But to be a follower of Christ means that you submit those natural desires to the will of God. And being natural, just going by what we think is right, isn't going to guide us in the light. It's going to leave us in the darkness. Someone once said, whoever dies with the most stuff wins. But I think whoever dies with the most stuff still dies. And they leave a mess behind. It's like that parable where the, the foolish builder, the foolish uh, rich man who, who built all of his barns up and he wasn't satisfied with that. So he tore them all down, built up new ones. And God said that this very night your life is required of you. What have you done with your life? Because when we stand before our Heavenly Father, we will give an account of what we've done with our lives. Have we been building our own kingdom? Or have we been building His? See, because our way will leave us empty. The things of this world can never really satisfy us because they were never meant to satisfy us. Chapter 2, verse 17 says, And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Only God can satisfy you. The things you desire, the things you're seeking after in this world will never fill that void. Only God can satisfy because everything else in this world is temporary. It is all fading away. But the love of God and the Word of God will endure forever. So what is it that God's desire is for us? 
is that we live in the light. Turn back now to chapter 1, verse 7. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Yeah, I skipped a slide. Go back one. Darkness fades, but light endures. Darkness fades, but light endures. So we need to be walking in the light. We need to be building our lives around seeking God's will, not our own will. He wants us to live in the light so that he can cleanse us from all of the darkness. He wants us to begin the process in your life of shaping you to be more like him. You know what we call this process? We call it sanctification. And it's not a one and done type thing. You might think that when I come forward and I get baptized, that that's it. My life is totally perfect after that. No, you are regenerated at that point. You are born again. You are made a child of God. You are forgiven of your sins. But we still carry with us a lot of our old ways and our old habits. And it's the process that God begins in us that he doesn't end until the day we see him in glory of sanctification, making us holy. And God wants that for you. God wants to remove the darkness, to remove the pain, to remove the sin and the bad habits and the things that separate you, the things that break the relationships that we have with one another, the things that separate us from our Heavenly Father. God wants to tear those things down. And He wants us to walk in the light as He is in the light. We can trust who God is because He's pure and holy and good. But we can also trust that God wants good for us. We said a couple of weeks ago that when you love someone, you want the best for them. And God loves us so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross. Brian, thank you for sharing John 3.16 just a few minutes ago. He loves us so much that He sent Jesus to die for us. But he also loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us in our darkness. He wants to regenerate. He wants to sanctify and make us like his son. As a father, I want good for my children. I want them to grow up loving the Lord. I want them to have a strong faith. I want them to follow him and to seek him and what they do with their lives. And I try to guide them along that path. But I've messed up. There's times where I've lost my temper. There's times where I've done plain stupid things and had regrets looking back. We've all messed up. Sometimes big and sometimes huge. But God doesn't mess up. God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't have ulterior motives. He only wants the best for you. And that doesn't mean that he's going to give you a, a private jet or a big mansion. That, that's what this world offers. He offers himself. A relationship with him. He invites you to be in the light with him. Think about that scripture that says that God dwells in unapproachable light. All the times we see God's presence in the Old Testament, people fall to their face in fear 
because they feel unworthy. But yet God invites us through His Son to dwell with Him in the light. He wants good for you. Do you believe it? Or maybe a better question is, do you trust it? Because there actually is a difference between believing something and trusting in something. I said, well, what's the difference there? Okay. I believe that a parachute will open up and will prevent a skydiver from falling and smashing into the ground. It will help them dive out of that airplane and glide safely to the ground. I believe that. I've seen parachutes. I've seen things on TV. I've seen movies. I've seen things online. And that if a parachute is, is in working order, it is going to save someone who's diving out of an airplane. But I don't trust it to do it for me. You will not see me diving out of that airplane putting my trust in that parachute. Now, I know that breaks my daughter's heart because she wants to do that when she's old enough. And I'm just really trying to guide her on that right path to get her off of that idea. But you see the difference? I believe it will work. But I don't trust it to. And maybe for some of us, we believe that God is all of these things and that he does want the best for us. But yet we haven't trusted in that. We haven't committed our lives to that belief. So the difference, if you believe something, it means to accept that it's true. I believe and I accept that it's true. God is good and he wants good for me. I believe that. I accept it. Trust, though, is staking your life on that belief. And that's harder. Are you willing to trust that? Are you willing to trust that when God's way doesn't make sense? Are you willing to trust that when God's way makes you lose an opportunity? When God's way maybe makes things harder for you? It would just be so much easier if I could just do things the way I wanted to. Trust is hard. But that's what God wants for us. I want to close with a story from the Bible of a desperate father. This is found in Mark chapter 9. And what we've got here is we've got this dad who's at the end of his rope. He has this son that's been tormented by a demon for all of his life. Many times this demon has cast him into the fire, into water, has tried to kill him. And he's done everything. This, this dad's done everything to try to get his son well again. He's even brought his son to Jesus' disciples and asked them to heal him. But they couldn't do it. This dad is at the end of his rope. And the absolute worst feeling as a father is to see your children suffer and to feel completely helpless to do anything about it. And that's what this dad feels as he carries his son to Jesus. And there's this exchange that's so raw and so honest. I love this. He comes to Jesus with just maybe a shred of hope and says, if you can do anything, please heal my son. And I love how Jesus responds. Mark chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Jesus said to him, 
if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And I love how honest that prayer is. Because if we're honest with ourselves, there are things that we do believe. And there are things that we really struggle. When things are going bad, it's a struggle to believe that God is working for our good. And so I love this prayer. And I think it's a prayer that we should all pray daily. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And you know what that prayer tells me? It tells me that we're all still works in progress. Nobody has perfect faith. Everybody is still learning to trust. Don't give up. If you've messed up, if you've got doubts, if you've got struggles, don't run and hide them from the Lord. Bring them before Him just as this father brought his son and as he brought his own doubts and unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. What an honest prayer. And spoiler alert, Jesus heals him. He heals his son. He worked in the midst of this imperfect faith that this father had. And he was still able to do amazing things. So maybe the step for us right now is to come to God this morning and say, God, I believe, but I have doubts. I have struggles. I have things that I cannot overcome on my own. Help me overcome these things. And Jesus will meet you right where you are. And He will take you and He will guide you if you'll let Him lead. God's ways are higher than our ways because God is holy. He is light. There is no darkness in Him whatsoever. Our own ways deceive us. They lead us down the wrong path even if we think we're doing what's right. If they're not submitted to God, they will lead us into darkness. Repentance starts with just a turn. Just turning away from the darkness and looking into the light. And that's what he calls us to here today. Because God wants good for you. Do you believe that? Do you trust that this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are things that we don't understand. We don't understand when innocent people are hurt. We don't understand when people are given that grim diagnosis. We don't understand why families tear apart and why people pursue selfishness instead of love. We don't understand why this world is so broken except that it is just a sinful place. So God, I pray for each of us to be honest with you about the areas where we have unbelief. And not to run and hide in the darkness and shame from them, but to present them to you into your light and that your light would shine on each of us 
and would remove any sin and any cloud of darkness that there is. And may we step into the light as you are in the light. And may the love of God purify us from all of our sins. Thank you for the love of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.